It's the Super 90s Brothers! Hakuna Matata, bitches! Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers, Ow. where we do hazy memory riffs on the most fire decade ever. I'm your host, Brendan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler, and today we're talking about The Lion King. Ow. Oh, man. I'm in the jungle room in my uh, co-working space. Um, it's a little tiny uh, recording booth, and it's um, it has it's jungle-themed. I thought I'd record in here for... Uh, in you know, for the Lion King, for this podcast that we're doing. Yeah, you look like you're in one of those like uh, cheesy like souvenir restaurants that you see in Vegas or oh, those, mm-hmm. like in San Francisco. I think it's called the Safari Room or something. You look like you're there. There's a Safari Room here in Spokane, and I, they might have the same wallpaper. So um, yeah, but I definitely feel in the element. Oh, um, good. You look like you're in the element, I, and I, your 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 mane is all grown out too. It is, yeah. I'm I'm uh, Simba as he is growing up as a hippie. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm freshly shaven, so I'm Nala. <laughs> oh man, I'm so. Uh, how you been, dude? Man, dude, it it got me. I'm I'm one out of I'm one out of three on the on the variants. I COVID finally got me. You got it. It's like the it's like the world's biggest game of tag. <laughs> right. You got it. You were it. Yes, it's like yeah, it, it, yeah, it's like not knowing who won the Super Bowl the longest. Um, that's a thing apparently people do. Uh, yeah, it can it, it kick my ass. I I mean I'm vaccinated. Um, I don't have the boot. I did not get the booster. I never. I didn't rush out to get the booster. And I've from everyone who has gotten this variant has said that because since they they haven't they didn't have it as bad because of the booster they think. And so I got kind of my ass kicked. It was fun. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Um, I'm glad that you're feeling better and you got over it relatively on short order. So uh, the reason why we think you guys are awesome is because you listen to us. And because you listen to us, we think you should give us those sweet five-star reviews on Apple iTunes Music. That's what we're asking for. That's what we're looking for. We're in like the high 50s right now, and we're trying to get to 2 million. That's our modest goal. So you guys can help us out by spending just a couple of seconds giving us a five-star review. You don't even need to say anything. Just click the five stars. You don't need to like leave a comment if you don't have time or you're not a good writer. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you don't even, just leave the five stars. You don't even got to write a review anymore. Um, yeah, and then you can reach out to us at super90sbrothers at gmail.com, at super90sbrothers. Brennan is at spocastpods. I'm at adampitzler.com, which Brennan now hosts from his computer. So yeah, follow us, check us out. Yeah, and I got one thing to add. You can now review us on Spotify, which is a new feature that they just enabled. Another thing on Spotify that they've enabled is the ability to do polls and ask questions like on your podcast page. So like every every week when I um, every episode when I we upload a show, I ask a question uh, 
like what topic would you like to hear next or in the last week's episode when we did um super 90s uh not super 90s super mario brothers the movie i asked what is the worst uh what's the worst movie the worst video game movie of the 90s um and so i put that out there to get a little feedback haven't gotten any many got any responses yet but if you're on spotify interact with us that's a it's a it's a fun thing to do so well, I, I think that the, the question is silly. It's like, it's obviously Super Mario Brothers a movie. That is the worst video game movie of the 90s. Like, you bull tried really hard to ruin it, but he wasn't until the aughts. Right. There was a there was a Wing Commander with Freddie Prinze Jr. And, um, In the 90s? Matthew Lillard. It was like 1999. Um, that might give it a, a run for its money. I'd never seen it, um, but uh, it can't be that good. Um, but yeah, there was a, you know, there's a the Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat's like kind of infamous so um yeah i like mortal kombat mortal kombat 2 is actually probably the closest to i think mortal kombat 2 annihilation is such a shitty movie that's i, I think that might anyway yeah um <clears throat> so <laughs> today we're talking about something that came out in june of 1994 so what i want you all to do right now listening to this podcast i want you to close your eyes assuming you're not driving and if you are i hope you're a magical driver it's the tunes of the time oh yeah tunes of the time yeah Close your eyes for a moment. Picture yourself. It's June of 94. You're in your family's old car. Maybe your dad is driving. Maybe his, his elbows hanging out the wheel like Pete and Pete's dad. And the radio starts playing. Oh, baby, I love your way every day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, baby, I love your way every day. Shadows grow so long before my was baby i love your way by big mountain ow that brings back some really fond memories and i actually i really love that song it has a i knew you would has some has some soul to it some white some white boy soul some white reggae some white reggae soul (laughs) (laughs) so anyway um, I, I saw this was on the top 10 list of this week and I was like, oh, Brennan's got to love this song. And it, trust me, I've never had this conversation with Brennan, but I just knew I listened. I was like, I bet you anything Brennan loves this song. So tell me about what memories it brings up for you. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, it, I, I actually didn't really realize the song was like from this late early in the nineties. Um, actually I, I don't, this 1994 is a really weird year in my life. And I have a really good story about Lion King, um, and seeing it in the theaters, but this song just doesn't really hit me at a younger age. It's more of a older age song for me because it's just it. I think I discovered like that that reggae, that white guy reggae, like in the the early aughts. And did some, you have a Hawaiian shirt? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. Well, no, <laughs> like it was like that. Like when you were like in like 2005, where like I discovered like I started smoking pot for the first time, and I was like listening to like 311 or like some some really hippie reggae music and this was probably on a couple of my playlists so uh it's a nice little song i actually when you when i brought up the link i was like who in the hell is big mountain i've never heard of big mountain i don't know who baby i love your way like that sounds kind of familiar and then like when you watch the music video the intro i mean i left the intro out because i was just like what is this 
Like, because it opens with a sax player that I don't even know is even in part of the rest of the song. It's the beginning of the video is so funny. It's like this dude silhouetted on like a cliffside over the ocean with this giant superimposed sun behind him playing into a saxophone. It looks like a joke. It looks like something you do to be funny. Yeah, look, I thought it, this was a joke. I thought it looked like something that was made today to kind of mimic shit in the '90s. But no, this is this is something that you know is being made fun of now. <laughs> I feel I feel like I remember the song from like middle school dances. Yeah, that would have been like around mm. like '97. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, yeah, like high school dances. Yeah, for sure. I never middle school dances didn't exist for me. Oh, we had mixers. They mixers, really yeah, I guess, yeah. And then, like, me and, like, some of the other kids that didn't have dates, we would, like, go to the gym and play basketball. Um, yeah. That, that's yeah. Okay, now I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is this a reggae love song? Yeah, sure. It's okay. like... It's a, it's, it had... It had 28 million views on its official video, but there was a few videos, so that that number is a little low. It, it didn't have like a "This is Big Love Mountains" video like some like some bands have like a, a really serious YouTube channel. It didn't really have that, so yeah. that number is a little misleading. It was the number five song in the United States at the time, and this was the song for the 90s movie Reality Bites. Did you did you do you remember that movie? It's actually eluded me. I've never seen it. Um, I've I've watched it in the probably the last. 20 years i mean i think it was like maybe on like a channel and i watched it and it's one of those movies that i mean it has it might be a good movie to like kind of go back and watch just because it's ben stiller winona Ryder, and then there's a bunch of other like um who's the uh, the funny guy in it steve's on like a really early steve's on is he yeah um yeah ethan hawk is in it uh, ethan hawk is in it yeah it's like a love triangle type of movie um but yeah it's I don't don't really know too much about it. It's just a, a romantic I comedy. Did. I, it was like my my sister owned it and she liked it. And I don't know for and I usually would watch shows my sister would watch because I I think my sister has good taste. But I don't know why this one just I didn't watch it. Yeah, but but this music video is like the band playing, um, and then like it just clips in pieces of the movie of like Winona Ryder and Ben Stiller and. Ethan Hawke and all this stuff. And it's it's a cover of an old Peter Frampton song, which I had to like pull up. And mm. when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard this version, too. And I, I don't know that I ever really differentiated the two in my mind. I was never paying that close of attention. Um, and I also think just about the song, like I, I think it's aged well as a as a song. Like you could hear that song today and be like, oh, I wouldn't know when this is from if you didn't give me a year. So yeah, that's a good point. It has aged pretty well. It doesn't. It doesn't sound overly nineties. It's got that reggae flavor, but it's you know it's just a, tr- a traditional love ballad. I think. Um, but and the guys anyway. in the video, though, the guys in the video are like it's they're super dated though in how they're dressing. Like they just look like they're wearing like tents. They look like jokes. Like yeah, they, like they look like jokes from like a a movie that's making fun of white reggae guys. It looks like you would go to like a like a ninety. You would dress like that if you were going to a nineties party today to be funny. Yes, exactly. So um, anyway, um, and speaking of babies who love their ways, today's <laughs> film is about a baby lion who loves the ways of his father, or maybe mm. he just loves being a monarch ruler. We're talking about the Lion King. Ow! Yeah, man, this is a tell, this is like a tell, movie I lived with for my entire life this was a this was a 
a pillar. Like if you if you had to stand the '90s up by Disney movies, you would choose The Lion King as one of your pillars. You would say, okay, this one's one of our three pillars of the '90s. Like you'd say, like Lion King, Toy Story, and something else, Beauty and the Beast, or something. And yeah. Like, um, it was. It was. I mean, obviously, it's Disney, so I need to tell you how fucking popular it was. But it right. had a budget of forty-five million, and it box office over one billion. It's it's over one billion. Yeah. To date. Um. So you said you had a a good theater story. So tell me about it. So I've talked about this time in my life a lot. Um. On the podcast. I randomly, my family moved from Spokane to Chicago in the summer of 1994. Um, we moved there because my dad got a new job. Uh, and then in the summer of 1995, we moved right back to Spokane into the same exact house that we lived in before. Um, and in the summer of 94. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. <laughs> Did you rent it out in between or did you? No, we didn't. Or? This is, this is probably like, yeah, we rented it out in, but no, we didn't rent it out. We sold it. I think we sold it. I think my parents sold it for a loss. Um, bought a, re- you bought it. And then, yeah, we bought a really small house in Chicago. That was probably a lot more than the house in Spokane and then bought the house in Spokane again. And I think my parents just lost their asses on it all. And oh, your parents bought the same house twice. I don't know. I've ever heard of that. Yeah, it was, it's a crazy, it's a really crazy story and it was just you know my parents made a regretful decision of moving away to back live back in the midwest um well <laughs> that's all right i mean they came back and yeah for uh, sure money's money but you, you hey think of think of the bright side you moved back to spokane which gave you the privilege of meeting me true and and my future wife um and secondary but yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> but that that summer for those who don't know, um, was the summer of the lockout, the major league baseball lockout. Um, so we couldn't even go to like a Cubs or a white Sox game. Um, but the day was July 4th. We were staying in a hotel in somewhere in the suburbs of Chicago. We went and watched, um, some, we, we went and watched some fireworks. That's not right. But we, we watched fireworks sometime that night, but we had went and saw the Lion King in the theater. And I just remember, all of us, all five of us, my brothers who were at were probably three and one or four and two at the time. And we all piled in our van, drove, listened to um, Baby I Love Your Way by Big Mountain, and then went and saw Lion King in a packed theater on 4th of July. Um, and I just remember loving the movie. Like, it's just, it, it is probably the, the best paced Disney movie ever. Um, has the best soundtrack ever. Like all, like I hate ballads in Disney movies. Like they're, I, they're just the bane of my watching Disney movies, but all the ballads in, um, in Lion King are actually pretty good. And that might be because I, I might be a little sexist and I really like sexist in terms of like my musical taste and Elton John did a great job on the soundtrack. Um, so yeah, um, just a lot of memories. I mean, bought that, bought it, got it on VHS that probably that same year or later that year, and um, just wore that out. So, so what I remember, I don't remember seeing in the theaters. I but I was never like a big Disney kid. We've said this a few times. Like mm-hmm. I was really into horror movies and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I thought Disney was kind of lame. I'm not saying I didn't watch it because I mean they were like popular movies, so I saw it. But I like they weren't my thing or anything. I remember there was this like quote cool kid in uh, my fifth grade class named Ryan and like everybody liked Ryan, even me. 
Mm. Um, and he was like super nice and really popular and the girls all liked him. And I remember like him talking one day about how the Lion King was his favorite movie and how he was going to go home and watch it. And I remember thinking, oh, the girls aren't going to like him after that. And then I turn over to the girls and you should have seen their fucking gaga. It's <laughs> like they were like, oh, he's just like us. He's so sensitive. And I remember thinking the Lion King is lame. It's like a kid's movie. We're in fifth grade. Like, what are you talking about? I mean, this was like every, like all I mean, I was a nine member. I was in fifth grade. It was like everywhere. Like yeah, I, 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 I was a, an old soul my whole life. And uh, <laughs> Disney movies were, I don't know. They were, I was, I was, I was too cool for them. You're just super judgy. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't that. It was just, I mean, they're aimed at kids and I was watching adult content and I just, you know, I was more used to violence and drugs and sex and rock and roll. That's fair. Um, so uh, now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Brennan, can you tell us about the movie, please? Brennan's bad synopsis. Ow. Yes. And I, um, you know, I've thought a little bit about this one. This one is pretty simple. It's, you know, this movie's about the circle of life. The movie starts out with, um, you know, you heard it, uh, uh, whatever, there's the Abidenia part. And uh, they're, you know, they're raising Simba on the mountain. He's going to be the new king. Uh, and fast forward to, I don't know, I have no idea that the time that is elapsed in this and the, the life cycle of the lion. I'm assuming, I assume it's only like a couple months. Fast forward and Simba's now a little toddler, a little kid, and he's causing trouble around the, the, the pride lands. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, has a, has a little friend named Nala, you know, they're causing troubles. Um, he, uh, he learns about this shadowy place on the edge of the the not the the shadowlands, I believe it's called, and he wants to go explore it and show that he is a he's a tough a tough kid. Um, but you know, the elephant graveyard, the elephant graveyard, you know. But his his uncle Scar tells him not to do that because that'd be a really bad decision, you know. But a little wink, wink. Only the bravest lions go there. <laughs> right. And then so him and Nala end up going there. They get bailed out by. Um, you know, his father, um, who's his Zazu. father's name? Mufasa. Um, oh, Zazu follows them there or like, like they lose, like Zazu's a, he's a, I don't even really know what Zazu is. What is he's he? He's a toucan, isn't he? He's a toucan. He's a, he's a bird, but like, is he like the advisor? Is he like the nanny? What is to, what is, yeah, yeah, yeah. What he's is like he? a governess. He's a, yeah. Right. Okay. And, uh, basically Mufasa comes, saves them from the hyenas that are in the in the Badlands that that Simba and Nala are getting cornered by. They're getting killed by. Um, I think that was the plan they wanted, so Scar would could kill Simba so he could take over the throne. Right? I don't know. Um, fast forward to a little bit later, and now Simba is. I don't really know why the, where they get to this, but Simba finds himself in a stampede. His dad needs to come save him again. This is all set up by Scar, and. In the in the in the stampede, Mufasa dies, and and then Scar tells Simba to r run away and never look back or never come home or something like that. Scar like convinces Simba it was his fault somehow, which I always made it always made Simba seem really gullible and stupid. I was like, "What do you mean it's his fault? What did he do?" Well, yeah, it's not like kids ever get like terrible like mental issues because of how they're treated as children. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Anyways, he tells him to leave. He sends the hyenas after him to kill him, um, so there would be no lineage left. The hyenas are, you know, fuck ups, and they don't do that. And then 
Simba finds himself in the desert and gets saved by uh, Timon and Pumbaa. Um, and they're hippies that live in the in this other jungle, you know, f- a day away from wherever he's at. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're a meerkat and a warthog. Yes. Um, and and they teach him in the ways of, uh, you know, don't worry, be happy, Hakuna Matata. Like, you know, I think basically Simba becomes a vegan. You know, it becomes like a vegan, which I don't think can really, I don't think you could actually live off all the stuff he was eating. I don't think you could be, are you a vegan if you eat insects? Well, it's like a, it's like a, like a, not a vegan, but like a, some type of one of those. He becomes like a dirty scavenger. Like a or whatever it's called. Um, Pescatarian, he's a fish eater. Oh, is that what it is? I don't know. A grubbitarian. So. Who knows? He Pesca means fish. He gets, but he gets raised by these two like easygoing guys, and uh, he's, you know, he's now he's living life in this paradise, um, and grows up, and then Nala shows up. Um, Nala is now older. She's, in I guess in lions terms, a very beautiful lion. She's looking uh, good, <laughs> and. And then her, him, her, and Simba get into a little little scuffle, and then it fi- she Simba finds out that it is Nala because, like, you know that they used to wrestle when they were kids, and that memory came back. Um, she tries to convince them to go back to to the Pride Lands to save their, you know, their their home where that's being decimated by all the hyenas and over over killing of the other animals and. Um, you know, basically, the the Pride Lands is a wasteland now. He needs to go back there and take his rightful place on the throne. And you know, Simba just doesn't want to do that until um, till Rafiki shows up. Um, Rafiki's like a baboon who um, can predict the future or with his like with his poop. Like you know, he's he like, wipe, he, like wipes stuff on the you know. I imagine that's what some of the stuff he uses. And uh, anyways. Rafiki, is that a baboon poop throwing joke. Yes, right? it is. Yes. Um, anyways, Simba reconvene gets his wakes up, has like some weird like seance with his dead father in the sky. He runs home, you know, in a day back to the Pride Lands, and uh, he saves he saves the Pride Lands. He kills Scar, and now he's now he's the king of the pride lands and it's a circle of life adam and now he's you know at the end of the movie it ends how the movie began and he's raising up his daughter for those who don't know in the sequel um to you know to be the next presumably dies in a stampede shortly thereafter (laughs) exactly i'm I'm guessing that's how it always life um i'm 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 assuming that simba also had some uh siblings but we just never met them um, I I, might have been Nala. Nala might have been his like half sister. Right. I mean, it's it's Af- <laughs> it's African pride. So you know, a lot of royal families did interbreeding. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a movie. I did go long winded on that, but I tried to keep it concise. Uh, my favorite part was the seance with the dead father. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Good job. So that was that was Burden's bad synopsis. We always look forward to that. Um, so uh, let me let me let me add to it. The characters Simba is played by uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas as a young Simba and Matthew Broderick as an older Simba. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was famous at the time for Home Improvement. And the movie Man of the House. I remember all the little girls in that same fifth grade class. I remember one girl had like a picture of him like on her peachy. 
or you mm. might call them a folder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, older math and Matthew Brogger, older symbol had done Ferris Bueller's and um, Glory. And then later he did the movie Election and the producers. So Matthew Broderick had a good 80s and 90s and obviously War Games and some others. Oh. Um, and Simba at the beginning, he's kind of a little shithead. He's like a spoiled little king. And um, Prince. Yeah. yeah, Prince. And uh, he like gets orphaned like from scar like brennan said and he just like runs off and he like forgets his whole family and his whole responsibilities and he's just like i gotta go find myself so he like goes and finds himself with like hippies like brennan said who don't care about anything and they just sit around like <laughs> like eating insects and late laying around all day um and like like i said he believes the death of his dad is his fault for some reason which still i don't I don't quite follow it. I know Scar tells him that, but what's going on in Simba's mind? What, what actions does he think he did that led to that? Mm. Well, he he caused a stampede. He thinks he, he caused it. The, the hyenas caused the stampede. Well, he doesn't know that. Well, what does he think he did to cause the stampede? Man, he like started. He was trying to learn how to roar. Remember, he was like, oh, he, he blames was, his roaring lesson. And like he's like in this canyon that's so conceited you think you can roar and cause a stampede and then he has like one good roar and it like kind of shakes the the canyon that he's in and then all the the buffalo whatever the hell they are like i think they're wildebeest wildebeest like by the way like yesterday all the wildebeest are all lined up in unison praising the king all kneeled down bucking (gasps) and snorting and like laughing and now they're like running him down like a fucking criminal yeah no control those those wildebeest like sort of the wildebeest go from being sort of like um uh intellectuals in the beginning like there's like a society to like oh they're just wild animals that run shit over yeah yeah they're the the only animals that are really seem very smart in this movie are like well are the main characters obviously but yeah you don't like have any like third many third party like the you don't learn about they don't humanize the, the wildebeest in it they just make them like animals um (laughs) which is kind of weird (laughs) so uh it's a it's a hamlet-esque story and one of the screenwriters i found out dubbed the movie bamblet which was (laughs) a combination of bambi and hamlet you can see the similarities to bambi you know a a young boy loses his parent and um thinks it's his fault so anyway, like uh, I said, like Brennan said, Simba returns to take control of the Pride Lands. He bangs Nala and he restores peace. He does that, yeah. And uh, all in, uh, yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, that's great. He's a great character. He's like, he's a very he learns from his mistakes, Adam. He, yeah, he's he's and, Shakespearean, and he didn't. I don't think he really ran away. And like with, he just didn't think he could go home. Like his dad's dead. Um, he, you know, he's lost. He and, abandoned his mom and he abandoned every other friend family he had because he was ashamed. Fair. Um, but you know, that's sometimes the easiest, that's an easy decision, Adam. That's why, you know, a lot of people just leave their home and, you know, move away, you know, to the Bay Area. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, the next character is Mufasa played by James Earl Jones, who has that great voice. Mm. Um, so James Earl Jones in the nineties did the Sandlot and, uh, late eighties was coming to America and hunt for red October. And he was also obviously the voice of, um, Darth Vader in star Wars. So his voice is, you know, et- etched in most of our minds probably forever. Yeah. And, uh, we have, we have a good clip of that voice. Look, Simba, everything the light touches 
is our kingdom. Wow. A king's time as ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day, Simba, the sun will set on my time here and will rise with you as the new king. And this will all be mine? Everything. Everything the light touches. What about that shadowy place? That's beyond our borders. You must never go there, Simba. But I thought a king can do whatever he wants. Oh, there's more to being king than getting your way all the time. There's more? Uh, I love... First of all, you're right. James Earl Jones has, like, listening to it on these headphones, like, he has, like, such an amazing voice. Very ASMR, like, type of voice. Um, but I love that um, that scene. In, but I love how it's been memed um, over the times. Like, there's a meme that I, I'm sure wherever you live, there's a meme where it's just like, everything the light touches is yours, Simba. And then Simba asks, what's that shadowy place over there? And it's like, that's Hilliard. You must never go there. Like it's always like um, making fun it's of a like Spokane joke. Nobody sp- else has Spokane. Yeah, well, you know, you could say whatever place in whatever town. Well, that the Bay you Area, we call it Oakland. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You must never go there. Um, you know, if I had six-year-old twins, maybe I'd see more Lion King memes myself. But I actually don't think I've ever seen that meme. You've never seen that meme? Oh man, no, I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send it to you. I don't follow Disney memes or anything that's Disney related. This is not a I, Disney. This is like a, a meme that just goes around like social media. It's not just no, something. It's it's eluded me, or okay. I've just I just haven't recognized. I haven't stashed it in my in my mental bank. But uh, so uh, the next character is Scar, um, <clears throat> which is Simba's uncle, and he's like he wants to be king, but he's not. He's like. He's not Mufasa. He's he's the other brother. I don't know if he's younger or older, but he's not the king, and he's wimpy. Like he's not tough. He's not regal. He's like conniving and disenchanted, and he's ugly, and he's got this big nasty scar mm. along his face. And uh, he's played by Jeremy Irons, who was the bad guy in Die Hard with a Vengeance, and he was in Man in the Iron Mask, and he was in this crazy David Cronenberg movie called dead ringers Mm. which i had to talk about for a second it's about like twin experimental gynecologists yeah weird yeah david cronenberg movies are so fucking weird like i like the fly and there's this movie called shivers that i kind of like but most of his other stuff is like man what the fuck is going on and this one like there's a movie it's called naked lunch i think that's cronenberg that's the weirdest fucking movie i think i've ever seen but Fucking Dead Ringers is in my top five weirdest fucking movies I've ever seen. So, like, it's about these, like, Jeremy Irons plays, like, twin brothers, and they, like, sort of, like, trade this one woman back and forth because, and that convince her that, you know, of the other's identity. And they're gynecologists, and they have these giant alien tools that they want to use in gynecology. And it's, like, they they put on like an art exhibit or something called like gynecology for mutant women and has all these like giant gross tools. That's weird. And I was like, this subject matter is so fucking weird. Huh. Interesting. So anyway, Dead Ringers, if you want to like have a fucking mind trip and you're like, you're you're tired of the same old shit, you're tired of family matters and Disney movies to watch Dead Ringers. <laughs> okay. I, I, I definitely want to, it seems interesting. David, David Cronenberg is a, he is an interesting character um so so scar is allied with the other social outcasts and in this movie it's the hyenas so they're like um he's sort of like king of the hyenas and hyenas are sort of gullible and they're tied up playing second fiddle to the lions 
And so Scar sort of like rallies the hyenas together, like rallies the lower class mm. to overthrow the the patriarchy. And uh, there's there's a pretty cool scene where Scar like Scar kills Mufasa, and like Mufasa's like he saves Simba from the stampede. Then Mufasa like jumps and he's hanging off this ledge, and that's that's the draw. Brother, help me. So Scar kind of like digs his claws into Mufasa and like throws him off the cliff really dramatically. And it's mm. like, oh, fuck you, brother. Like, I'm the king now, bitch. And like Simba's kind of like watching from an, an odd angle. And all he sees is his dad falling, which also didn't make a lot of sense. Like, didn't he see Scar there fucking kill him? No, I, think, I, I think, that, I mean, I, this is another me over observing. I think when he stops and he sees that happening and then he starts moving up the hill and then doesn't see that happening. Like there's, there's some, there's some block. Like he can't see his dad from where he's at perfectly. Um, that let's just talk about that scene real quick because that scene in like, I would say even, even music, movie history is like one of the most like sticks with you types of scenes. Like it, they don't really do it much in Disney movies, obviously like death, but when they do it, they really, really fucking hit, hit you because like he's like 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 Simba's literally on his like dead father's body trying to wake him up and like he's like tugging at his ear yeah like his, it's like and fucking... it's so fucking it's so sad I mean like it actually gives me some emotions right now like it's just like it's a really it's a really really sad scene like there's I never liked my dad so it never really struck me <laughs> <laughs> like when when Dumbo's mom is like locked up behind the bars and oh. she's like cradling him for the last time with her trunk. That's the fucking saddest Disney scene. I think yeah. it was like it's like you're being taken away from your mom who who they're saying is like a mad elephant is going to get fucking put down, I think. Or something. Yeah, but like that's way sadder. And that's your mom. It's like, who cares about your dad? It's like dads are replaceable. Fair. Um <laughs> At least uh, mine was. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, both scenes are very sad. I don't really remember the Dumbo scene that well. Um, but uh, another great meme is when Simba's, you know, trying to wake up his dad, and it's always like they always put like a football symbol on it, um, like a football team symbol. Anyways, I guess you missed that meme as well. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> let, let, let's get to the other characters. Great, great cast. Um, Nathan Lane plays the meerkat, um, Timon, and Whoopi Goldberg and Cheech, Cheech Marin play the two high, two of two of the three main hyenas, and the other hyena doesn't really talk. And then Rowan Atkinson from Mr. Bean, he's Zazu. So you've got like four really well-established actors in like the four main supporting roles, and like Nathan Lane especially is super funny in this movie. And I would argue this movie really like took Nathan Lane's career off in like a like a, a shooting star direction. Yeah, it's he him and um I mean he's amazing in the like his voice work in this movie is amazing. He's obviously the comic relief of it and but it's like really dry, sarcastic comic relief, which really hits well with me. Um and I think with kids in general. But like yeah, he was he was amazing. I who does the voice of um Tim, not Timon, but uh Puma. Pumba? Oh, it's, I don't know. um, yeah, I, 
Yeah, the, I don't know. It is a it is a good cast of uh, of of famous and, '90s actors. <laughs> and speaking of um, side side character humor, we've got one other funny clip from Rafiki the Baboon. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah, you see? So what are True you rewards do? have never been spoken. So uh, thank you, Rafiki. Yeah, Rafiki, the sagely baboon. Um, um, so any other characters you want to mention? You know, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's not really, I mean, Nala's in it. I don't think Nala's voiced by anybody famous, um, too famous. Nala's but yeah, character is just kind of flat. Yeah, yeah. They, they really changed her character. They changed her character in the, in the redo when they recently, but yeah, like the movie's very consumable movie. It's, it's quick. It, there's that story is really easy to tell. Um, but, but but then you get to the best part of the movie, which is the song. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I, that was the point I was getting at Adam is, is the songs. The songs in this movie are amazing. Like it's it, like we already said, arguably one of the best Disney soundtracks. But yeah. The songs are great. Yeah. yeah. Pl- play, play the Timon and Pumbaa uh, diversion song. I like that one. Oh yeah. Hey, come on, Timon. You guys have to create a diversion. What do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula? Wow! If you're hungry for a hunk of fat and juicy meat, eat my buddy Pumba here because he has a treat. Coming down to dine, hunter Stacy's fine. All you have to do is get in line. Ah, you ache it? Yup, yup, yup. For some bacon. Yup, yup, yup. He's a big pig. Yup, yup. Uh, you can be a big pig I, too. This is a really ah! weird thing to admit, but like when I was a kid, I would watch this movie and then I would replay that scene over and over again. I'm like, gonna end the podcast. What's that? You're ending the podcast. <laughs> I need a new co-host. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I always thought that. Like I thought I died laughing when I saw it the first time. I thought it was just hilarious. And I won't lie to you. I just noticed for the first time ever that Nathan Lane, when he's saying like, "What do we? What do you want me to do? Dress up and drag?" Like as a child, I did not know what that meant. And as an adult, it kind of just. I don't think I ever made it to this far in the movie as an adult to notice it. But then I, today I just noticed that they said that. And obviously that they wouldn't say that today. I maybe, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it's Nathan Lane. So like Nathan Lane has done drag obviously. Uh, but, uh, it, it I love it. It is a, it is a great line. So, and then my favorite, uh, my favorite song is, is scar and the hyenas, which we've got for you next. A shiny new era is tiptoeing nearer. And where do we feature? Just listen to teacher. I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously square. Yeah. So, like, Scar is up on this big rock in, like, this weird cavern, and all the hyenas are, like, marching like Nazis, kind of. It's it's it, it's a little symbolic of, like, the Nazi marching. And uh, my old roommate, Luke, I was, like, at his mom's house one time when we were in, like, high school, and Luke's little brother was watching The Lion King, and his mom, like, 
fast forwarded through that scene. She didn't want him to watch it. And oh, I was God. thinking, well, oh, that's so lame. And then like, that's nothing compared to like what parents do though. Like I, I just didn't understand how parents are with their kids, but like she didn't want him to see that scene. I, yeah, I mean, it didn't really stick with me, but you know, I was watching radar movies when I was like six. So, um, I'm always rooting for the bad guy in movies and, you know, like, like scar and the hyenas were more interesting to me. I mean, scar is, I mean, as a character in the movie, he is more, he is the most like complex character. Like he has a, like, he has a, a niceness to him. Like he's likable, but at the same time, he's pure evil. Um, in that, I mean, that's usually most villains, not most, I mean, that's not true. A lot of times villains are just evil. Like, but he's, there's, he's conflicted, but he's not that yeah. conflicted, he's I guess. Complicated. He's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has, he has trauma from the past. He has scars, Brennan. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and then probably the most popular song, I think. And the one, the kids all like, go ahead, Brennan. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata Ain't no peasant craze It means no worries For the rest of your days It's our problem-free Philosophy Hakuna Matata Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto What's the motto? Nothing, what's the motto with you? <laughs> you know what? These two words will solve all your problems. That's right. Take Pumba, for example. Yeah. Hakuna Matata. Like, I mean, I don't, I know so many women that have that tattooed on their, on their back. You do? No, I don't. But it's, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> like a tramp stamp of Hakuna Matata. You know, like, Hakuna Matata is like one of those things that like, I feel like a lot of millennials that are like, probably like, born in the early 90s who like have like really fond memories of the Lion King like have gotten that tattooed on them because it's like like we're we're old enough to know better than, than the tattoo that on themselves on ourselves but like someone that might be like someone that might be like turning 30 right now you know they might think that's a good idea <laughs> Matata is essentially like a don't worry be happy I mean it's yeah I mean they, but they couldn't do don't worry be happy obviously no, not leap well maybe well, they could have they well they could money. no um it's not like disney has money though so. i mean hakuna matata is i would argue a lot better than don't worry be happy though like so in terms of a song they, so i heard that the screenwriters went to africa to get some culture <laughs> and um they had heard people using this phrase and they liked it they and they thought it was similar to like a bibbity bobbity boo and mm. they made a song out of it yeah i mean so um those are our favorite songs. There's I, some other songs like I Just Can't Wait to Be King and some other shit. And it, I, I was going to uh, throw that one in there, but we're not going to uh, because of because you can go back and listen to it. But that what that was my favorite song is I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Like, this song's kind of like egotistical to me. Right. But like that's, you know, that was that's a young prince. He's he just can't wait to be king. And you saw yourself as a young prince. Exactly. I yeah. was a young. So are there any other good are there any other good scenes in the movie you like? Um, you know, I think we covered most of them. Like there's, you know, the, I mean, we did Hakuna Matata. I really enjoy the the part in Hakuna Matata where they're like, it's, you know, there, there's a little transition from him being a, a young, a young lion to an adult. And they like kind of have him walking on the, on 
walking and he changes and then like it breaks into the adult voice singing um akuna matata i i i think maybe matthew broderick song sang i don't know um probably uh but yeah he there's a the movie's like very like we've talked a lot about is this very very well done and yeah i i think we've covered most of it all right so i want to get into the production history a bit um so the screenplay was written by three people um, the first is, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm saying her last name right, Irene Mechie or Mechie. And she wrote Hunchback in Notre Dame, Hercules and Brave. So she's a Disney writer. Mm-hmm. The other screenwriter was a guy named Jonathan Roberts. And he wrote some 80s comedies like The Sure Thing with uh, John Cusack and Once Bitten with Jim Carrey. And he also wrote James and the Giant Peach or he adapted it from the Royal Doll novel. And he wrote the movie Jack Frost. So he, he does family friendly shit too. And then the third screenwriter is probably the most accomplished at this point, And her name is Linda Wolverton. Mm. She wrote Beauty and the Beast and the, the live action Beauty and the Beast remake. She wrote the Dennis the Menace. She was like a staff writer in the Dennis Menace cartoon in the 80s, which I used to watch when I was a little kid. She wrote like 65 episodes of that, which is a lot. She wrote Maleficent. And she also wrote Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. So like the trio of these writers, they've really got a stacked resume. I mean, you, you can see why the, the final script came out so well. And then the movie was directed by a guy named Roger Allers. He wrote the movie Aladdin and he wrote Oliver and Company, though he didn't direct anything else that you would know. I mean, he did some stuff. Maybe you'd know it, but nothing, nothing noteworthy. And the other director and a lot of animated movies have dual directors, um, a guy named Rob Minkoff. He he directed Stuart Little one and two and the Haunted Mansion movie with Eddie Murphy. So he's 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 a Disney branded guy, too. Mm. And what, what I thought was, well, I would have never guessed this, is that this was the first uh, Disney movie that came from, I think this is a first Disney animated movie that came from a completely original story, if you can call it an original story, right. because, I mean, it's obviously Hamlet. But all all other animated Disney movies had been versions of some other tale, like right. uh, Sword in the Stone and... Aladdin. And the yeah, like, Aladdin. All, I mean, yeah, they're all based off some Hans Christian Andersen stuff. Um, right. Um, and then Brennan mentioned how how memorable and iconic the stampede scene was. Mm. And I found out that it took the animators two years to do that scene alone. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, I mean, hand-drawn. Like, it's weird to think, like, so many technologies come so far since, you know, the early 90s that, like, that scene would all be CGI now. And even like all animated movies are CGI now pretty much anyways. So, but yeah, like movies like this took years to complete because it was all hand drawn. And now that everything is just, you know, put into a a computer and there's so many, there's so it's so readily available now that someone could probably make this in their house by themselves in like a couple days. (laughs) That's a bit of a stretch, but um, I, I think that what your average moviegoer doesn't appreciate is the amount of time and effort that go into everything in a movie. Right. And having made a movie myself, which you can watch on Amazon Prime, a quick plug for my movie Manhandlers. It's available for 99 cents for you to watch and buy. And uh, hey, like 13 cents of that goes to me and goes against my like $300 debt that I still owe to the to the distributor. But dude, I'm only 300 bucks in the hole. Like if I can if I can get 300 bucks, I then all that money is straight profit, homie. Can you just pay him $300? Yeah, I could. I thought about it. I thought about, well, I don't technically owe it. It's just that they're going to take the next $300 worth of sales before I get anything. I mean, so I don't have um, to pay them. 
they've just got first dibs on the next 300 bucks. Don't you want to just start getting residual checks just to get them? The residual checks of 13 cents? Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, enough about me. So uh, long story short, just so much time and energy. Think about it. Like a team of animators working side by side, 40 hour work weeks for two years for a scene that's what, like four minutes long for the masses enjoyment. Like you, when you watch it, you would never think, wow, somebody, somebody had to sit there and spend so much time on this for me to enjoy it. I just think it's like film and animation, especially in the nineties, just kind of a marvel of um, stick-to-itiveness. And I, I just wanted to give a quick plug to all the great filmmakers and animators and people that work behind the scenes, like actors always get so much fucking love, but man, they're, they, I swear they work the least out of all the people that make a movie. And I just wanted to bring that to the the forefront for a moment. I, that, that's great. I mean, I, I didn't, I did not know that. That's a, that's a fact that I did not know. I like this fact so fun- that, Oh yeah. I was going to go. I was going to bring it up. The fun fact that I think is interesting. Did this really happen? Someone, a researcher, a hyena researcher sued Disney for defamation of the hyena character. Yes. <laughs> I mean, keep in mind, it's like, it's it's the 90s, it's the United States, you could sue anybody for any reason, so right. like, we shouldn't be surprised by this kind of stuff. But some dude didn't like how Disney portrayed hyenas, so he sued them. It was like, what uh, is going on in your life where that becomes your crusade? Or are you just a cash-grabbing bitch? It does, the movie did, and it still does, like, to me, like, it's a... I think of differently of hyenas now because of this movie. I think of them as like a lower level, like animal in like the, in the Sahara. So this guy was right. <laughs> or Savannah. Is it Savannah? Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, don't you think of hyenas being kind of stupid now? Like as a part, like if you were to think of a hyena, don't you think of them as like from the Lion King? Uh, no, I've, I love like national geographic like and I love wildlife shows and for whatever reason like my whole life I've like watched a lot of wildlife documentaries and like the best ones are in Africa right they're like yeah. the the predators and there's always like the hyenas versus the lions you know yeah. what I mean and there's like these giant these giant groups and they'll fight and the, the hyena social system is very strange to me like they have they've like um it's not like a queen like in a like a like an ant or a bee sense, like they don't give all the pups or whatever, but they have like a, like a matriarch, like a a woman in charge. You know what I mean? And they have social classes and systems and yeah, they're not as big as the lions, but there's more of them and they have to kind of outsmart the lions. So I've always, I don't know. I I've been kind of intrigued by hyenas based on wildlife documentaries. And I'm very little influence from lion King. Wait a minute. Hyenas aren't like ruled by like a, a lion. Right. <laughs> They're not taking their orders from a from a, a lion. <laughs> yeah. And another another anecdote I thought was interesting is that Disney put all its best animators on Pocahontas at the time this movie was being made. Mm. So this was all the B team of animators for Disney. But I mean, if you're working for Disney at all, you're a fucking stud animator. So B team is maybe a little misleading. Like they're probably all great. Yeah, that that I, I've I would imagine the animators on this w- would probably consider themselves the A team, but well, this was certainly the A movie. Pocahontas sucks. Yeah, po- Pocahontas is, I think, is Pocahontas. terrible. Pocahontas. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, those are some some good so, little facts. Yeah, so that was that was some this and that for us, and then uh, and then lastly, we've got some stuff we don't like. That's some dumb shit. So it's another traumatic. Disney parental death like they're just they're just 
wrenching at your heartstrings on purpose. And I, I started to think about this, like, are, are you know the movie Saw? How they just like they tear at your like that that disgusting gene. Like this this is just the sickest disgusting thing, and you almost can't look away. Is like is Disney doing the same thing, but with death of your parents? <laughs> I I think they did, but then I was like think I saw this and I was like I was thinking back to the, the previous movies that, that came out before this. It was like, uh, Lion, not Lion King, but Aladdin, uh, Little Mermaid. Beauty and the Beast, like those three came out before Lion King and none of those deal, deal with that. So, um, so yeah, I think they just went back to something that hits a little harder and like, like Bambi and more, Bambi. more emotional. Um, so yeah, but I mean, um, I, but yes, you're right. It is, it's an old trope and it's, I mean, it's not just Disney movies. It's all of Hollywood. Um, and then I was, when I was thinking about this movie, I was just, I was thinking about it like a troll. I wanted to make this troll argument that I don't believe at all. And, and I was watching the movie going, I, you could make this silly argument. And I, you know, I'm a contrarian. I like to stir shit up. So I was, I, I was thinking, is this movie a deep seated parable intent on perpetuating the status quo white patriarchy? Like it's like the, the lions are the big white rich businessmen and they control the establishment. And that's how it's always been. And they villainize all non-traditional leaders, i.e. people of the wrong bloodline or the wrong species. And they gave the hyenas like minority voices in a largely white cast, even though the movie's set in Africa, like Whoopi Goldberg and Cheech are the main two hyenas. Yeah. And like I, I was thinking about it like a joke. I wanted to like make this argument like a joke. And then I Google it. And of course, people really think this. I mean, I don't think it's like, I don't think it is a, it was intentional. Um, I do think it's, this shows white privilege. So like, I mean, I'm not going to, we're not going to get into that, but like, yes, that there was something, I mean, when you look at this cast of how they casted the people, like it's all white people in every role, except for like Whoopi Goldberg and in the, in the, the magic black, James I mean, and James, 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 Old oh, James Old Jones, thank you. Um, but like, but they then cast like Rafiki, which is basically the the magic black person, which is like a famous, which is a very stereotypical part in a lot of movies where like a magic black person shows up and like kind of changes the main character's point of view. Like that's, that's just an old trope. Um, so, um, so yes, I, right. agree, I, I agree with you, Adam. <laughs> well, we, we don't want to spend too much time. I was honestly just thinking about like kind of as a joke. And I was like, well, I, I could see, I mean, I guess you know, people make the argument. I think Brennan's right. I don't think it was like done. It, it wasn't done. Like it just, people just weren't thinking about that kind of stuff back then. Um, but right. then, I mean, they did do a live action remake um, directed. I believe John Favreau did this. Um, and it's, did you see it? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, I didn't go see in the theater. It's, it's like 53%. It's not like, I mean, tomatoes. By the way, quick aside on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't fucking trust Rotten Tomatoes anymore. You don't. Critics have no incentive to give negative reviews. Like all they get is haters and people that don't follow them and people that don't listen to them. That's all negative reviews get. And so uh, the fucking Rotten Tomato scores are so inflated. Everyone just loves everything. It was a a fucking love fest because all critics really care about is their followers and their clicks. That's true. Um. I saw the movie. The movie is, I mean, it is literally a almost a shot for shot remake of the cartoon, which is, I think, what a lot of critics like gave it shit for. It was like 
it's a it's a remake and it's shot for shot pretty much and but then they add in a, a, cu- a couple different story arcs with like Nala um you know to make that character more deep um and give him more like because there is not like a female protagonist in the cartoon version um I will say this I my kids are going to bed the other night. Um, I always put on a movie last uh, 30 minutes before, you know, before they go to bed, they were, I said, Hey, do you guys want to watch the Lion King? And they're like, yeah. Like, and I like, do you want to watch the cartoon version or do you want to watch the live action version? They went with the live action version. So, um, well, there's six. Yeah. But you know, that's a, I mean, there's now an option to watch a live action version of Lion King and of cartoon and, the six-year-olds went with a live-action version. So, well, well, I couldn't. My dog would attack the TV the whole time. With real lions. It's a good movie as a remake. They did the casting right, which I think is great. And I mean, there's some pieces of it that I think are are better too. So, yeah. I don't really have an interest in seeing it. It's like I know the story. I don't know. I'm not, yeah, I mean, it's not interested. Um, but yeah. So uh, one other thing I want to talk about, like talk about like uh, male-dominated storylines. Like, did the lionesses really need Simba to come overthrow Scar and the hyenas? It seems like they could have done it without him. Like, Simba shows up and he's like a dude, right? And he's got like a fucking warthog and a meerkat with him, which are which are going to last about five seconds in a war with hyenas. Meanwhile, there's like this giant like gaggle of lionesses that do all the hunting and can kick all the hyenas' ass. But what? They just needed a man to give him like leadership. I mean, and I'm surprised there wasn't any lion researchers that were coming to sue Disney because of that. Because, like, from my, I, I thought lion lionesses or whatever you call them, uh, I thought they were like the the ones that were kind of in charge of like the pride. Like, and I felt like the 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 male lions just kind of like sit around and do nothing. Like that's that's how I understand like the their social order in the in the in the jungle. They do, but it's because they're the king. Like, the women go do everything because the lion is the king. That's why they call mm. him the king of the jungle. Like, he does just sit there and fuck all the lionesses. So I, I watched this, like, really funny a documentary when I was in high school called, like, The Ten Sexiest Animals in the, in the <laughs> Kingdom. And it was all about, like, which animals have the most sex. Oh. On, the top, on the top 10 list was lions. And I, what was really funny was that the narrator was like was like Barry White. Like he was like this sultry, <laughs> <laughs> like black guy talking about animals having sex like it was like romantic. And he, I remember this very specifically that like during the mating season, a lion will, will fuck the lionesses like 500 times in a weekend. Like he can just go and go and go like the dude is Dirk Diggler. Wow. Um that's funny. I think they should is it should be called the horniest, not the sexiest. Yeah, I, yeah I think. probably. But I mean, it's National <laughs> Geographic Channel, so they called it the sexiest animal. And right. the number one, I also remember the number one sexiest animal was like this group of monkeys somewhere, and there's like fifty of them per group, and they all have sex with everybody all the time, like grandpas and grandsons, moms and daughters, like like everybody has like these monkeys just have sex all day with each other all the time. It doesn't matter who you. are. <laughs> that's funny um, i'll like never forget that documentary i gotta find that that, that it starts uh, on youtube uh, uh so, where, so it, where were rabbits on the list yeah i don't remember <laughs> I, I just remember the lion and the monkeys um, um i watched it like 20 years ago uh so one thing i want to give props on i always rail against the length of movies lion king has a ton of shit going on songs you know story arcs hamlet you know dogs and cats living together and like it's only 88 minutes it just it cruises by. It's perfect. That is 
perfect. It's true. The movie doesn't fuck around. Um, that's for sure. No fucking around. And it's 93% on Rotten Tomatoes currently, um, even though I just discredited Rotten Tomatoes. But I thought that was noteworthy. So, um, Brennan, you know, we've covered a lot here. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No. I wanna, if you want to watch Lion King, the cartoon version, it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, and yeah, then there's a bunch of sequels and cartoon shows that are based off of it. So check those out with your kids. So I don't got anything yeah. else. I've never really seen any of those. But you know what? Brennan and I both like Lion King. This has been a fun episode. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It, so listen, we, again, if you guys think this was a fun episode or you like the Lion King or you just want to be kind to us because we're like, you know, late 30s men and our, we're past our prime, <laughs> you can give us you can give us those awesome five-star reviews on Apple iTunes Music. In fact, can you please give us a five-star review if you listen and you haven't done it yet? Like, that'd be super cool of you. And you can email us, super90sbrothers at gmail.com, all spelled out. Give us a show request. We haven't had a show request in a little while. It's it's January 2022. We're going to try and do 20 to 25 shows this year. And Brennan and I have maybe like five picked out. So if you guys have requests, send them, send them our way. You can tweet us at super90sbrothers at Spocast Pods. You can, fo- you can check out my shit, adampitzler.com. And uh, yeah, for Brennan Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another stampeding murder of an episode on Super 90s Bros, Lion King style. And remember, if your uncle sends you to an elephant graveyard by yourself, there's probably three bad dudes waiting there to kill you or possibly rape you. Peace. <laughs>